over a decade of experience in video games, and all he has to show for it is this stupid podcast. It's Behind the Line Radio, with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now. Hello everyone, and welcome to Behind the Line Radio. Today, I actually have one of my fellow enthusiasts with me, Judge Greg. How are you doing today? Great, Nick. How's it going? Great to be on BTL Radio for the first time. <laughs> you are the first of uh, our contemporaries to be here, and not one of my uh, actual industry insider, I suppose you can call them, yep. friends, former co-workers, <laughs> current co-workers, or whatever. Um, and today, I wanted to... I told you before we started recording this, normally when I record these shows, I have a little bit of an outline set out. Um, I try to keep things pretty organic, sometimes to good effect, sometimes not. Uh, but today, I just wanted to have a conversation, sort of comparing our experiences at the different shows that we've been to. So I am not exactly sure what we're going to come up with. I don't have any bullet points that, that I would focus on, really. So Let's just dive in and see what we can come up with. Awesome. And... We're doing this Hero Talk stuff. <laughs> oh, I know you've done way more show prep for Hero <laughs> Talk than I Certainly than I'm doing for this episode. Probably more than I do for any BTL radio Don't episode. Don't reveal behind the curtain, Nick. People think it's all off the cuff. Excuse me. What's the name of this show? Behind the Line. <laughs> yeah. Not the curtain. <laughs> There's no curtain in that name. <laughs> curtain. Uh, anyhow, so let's just start by uh, identifying what shows we've been to, and I'll start because I'm pretty sure my list is shorter. I've been to the Game Developers Conference for the past three years. Uh, that was pretty much, for the most part, that was limited to walking the showroom floor mm-hmm. and just seeing what tech demos are out there. And meeting up with some contacts, GDC for me has historically mostly been an opportunity to meet with people who are coming from all over the world, and we can have uh, lunch together, dinners together, what have you, mix and mingle, and uh, to be completely honest, talk about uh, if we were going to use them as outsourced QA partners. Uh, but this year, I spent a lot more time walking around, went to a couple of talks. It was pretty interesting for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I have not been, I've only been to GDC, partially because it's very convenient to me. I don't have to travel for it, right. um, which is doubly convenient, <laughs> really. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I can see some stuff about where the industry is going, have these meetings. Um but uh, I haven't been to any consumer shows, anything like E3, PAX, South by Southwest, anything like that. So, Greg, yeah. what kind of stuff have you been to? So, I've been to uh, PAX East several times, actually. Um, like, at least once as a fan. A few times I went there representing. Once for Enthusiax, once for some other site that I was with at the time. Uh, I've been to uh, a lot of local uh, local expos. Um, there's one in Connecticut that I go to uh, from time to time. There's one in Rhode Island I've been to. I've been to New York Comic Con, if that counts. Hmm. Um, I don't know. That one's kind of borderline between like just a fan expo and, and an actual conference. I, I guess it counts, right? I mean, it's in the yeah. Con, I mean, that's right? that's the that's the customer side of things, really. Yeah. And so and you'll I've have you'll also even if you're just thinking about video games, like there there'll be video game announcements at Comic Con and 
Oh, there's there's tons of them. Yeah, I mean not yeah. not the same as PAX, but yeah, um, I mean it, it, it's it's a different flavor of the same thing. Right, uh, but yeah, I've been to uh, uh, several different uh, New York Comic Cons. Uh, I've been to Kineticon, uh, a few cons, some of the uh, the local casinos. Uh, and let's see, I've also demonstrated some of my projects at some local cons, uh, just low-key huh. stuff, just kind of open house type deals. Uh, so that's that's kind of my experience. I've sort of been all over the map in terms of, of cons and attendance and, and different trade shows. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Let's let's try starting here. What what would you say is the um, uh, say demographic of the attendees to these different shows? Would you say they're fairly the same to the different stuff you've been to, or do different shows clearly attract a, a, a different um, age, gender ratio, uh, uh, anything like that? Um, well, not that I sat and took any demographic stuff. Um... I will say, though, I've probably been going to shows fairly consistently over the last decade, and what used to be predominantly male has now actually become... We had a pretty good split, especially in the customer shows. Like, Comic-Con, I would say the first time I went to Comic-Con, it was... It felt almost exclusively male, you know? And the most recent time, I... I, I didn't check the numbers, but I'd say I felt like a good 50-50 split, which has got to be a good sign for the industry because anytime you can open 50% of the population to buy your stuff, you you know you're doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. it's it That that happened at GDC, too. There was a, at the award show uh, that I attended, there was a fair amount, like particularly at the IGF Awards, Mm-hmm. I say at the IGF awards, like they weren't in the same room immediately <laughs> one after yeah. the other. It was it was basically a subset of the game awards show. So yeah, not the game awards. That's a different thing. But the yeah. the IGF and the choice awards mm. were kind of the same thing. But at the IGF section in the indie games, there was a lot of women winning the awards and the right. uh, lifetime achievement award or Ambassador Award, or whatever that one was called, I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, seemed like a very well-spoken and passionate woman in the industry. She's been around a long time. Great to see. Can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, and there was that uh, Girls Make Games project, which I thought was tremendous to see. I It was, it was just great to see that all around. I, I remember just uh, uh, really noticing how much of of uh, uh female representation there was there and when it came to the attendance um there's probably uh 75 80% male i'm going to guess um but it was hardly you know completely uh like i said 75 80% male so it was it was off kilter a bit in that sense but uh Compared to where the industries come from, I, I, I think yeah. it's definitely a good sign there too. Yeah, uh, not not that I want to get into. Trust me, the social justice movement movement does not want me as their spokesperson. <laughs> I I understand that. I'm not the ideal candidate. I I get that. However, and and this has come up more than once on on my show is that I call it like I see it, and I don't care if that gets me called one thing or another thing. I just call it like I see it. And I, I don't, I don't like to play by the rules of my label <laughs> and the games industry and 
it absolutely has been horrible in in treatment of women. Or, oh yes, I mean almost anybody really, but women especially. And and everyone wants to say it's not that way. I'm like, listen, I have been in the Xbox chats. <laughs> I've, I've heard what goes down. You can't tell me that's not what's happening. So yeah, like uh. Jeez, I, I keep relinking back to my article about the video games industry is immature, and I feel like I have to rewrite it and refine it and re-release it and just include more stuff and try to make the points as 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 well as I can. Yeah, uh, because it, it it just new topics keep bouncing off of that idea. Oh, they sure do. No, I mean that's we're in this weird area where you have these these two sides in a debate that we are not going to enter here. I'm. We're not. It's I hope, I hope not. But um, we're we're either in the point where everything is exactly as horrible as it's always been, and it's the worst ever, and that's not necessarily true. And then there's the there is no issue, and like, well, that's certainly not true. So no, no. you really it's... you just got to track progress. You got to keep you know trying to get it to the way it is. And the one time, don't I'm not here to take away anybody's toys because I don't have that authority, and nor do I think that's the right thing to do. But 50% of the population games. So if you what I should I should probably reward that. 50% <laughs> of the population is women that game. All right? So that's 51%. Um and and yeah, I include anything that games in that because I have never been one to try to draw the line between, you know, you're not a gamer if you don't play this. Uh, not the, the 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 freaking moving goalpost of defining a core gamer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even think I apply anymore, honestly. And I think that's kind of ridiculous given the amount of time that I've spent <laughs> gaming over my lifetime. But I don't think I apply anymore based on some of these. So, you know. No, I've I've seen some studies that had definitions for what a core gamer is, and I don't apply. Right, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's it's get over yourselves um, understand that other people can like your hobby and it doesn't make you less special. And it doesn't and... take your hobby away from you. Yeah, exactly. You can still play your games. Nobody wants to take Call of Duty away. People love Call of Duty. Nobody's taking it away. I'll give I'll give criticisms to like modern first person shooter level design, but I don't give a crap if you play Call yeah. of Duty. Just, yeah, yeah, if, I... it, if it speaks to you, then great. Yeah. I mean and Halo's yeah, going nowhere. Going nowhere. Halo will be around long after we have stopped roaming this ball of dirt we call Earth. So I'm not I'm not worried. But then I think there's plenty of room for your um Beyond Two Souls or uh what is what was that one that just came out? Life is strange? Yeah, yeah. In fact in fact I haven't played it, but it won it also won one of the awards that night. I think it won an IGF award, but uh mm -hmm. just speaking of female representation in uh in games in general, not necessarily in like employment numbers, but uh one of the makers of the game when accepting the award pointed out that they thought, you know, it's amazing that they won an award because not only was it a new IP, but it was a new IP with a female lead character. Yeah. And when he said that, it reminded me of the big uh, uh, hubbub. I suppose it wasn't a big hubbub until after it was uh, someone spoke about it. But with uh, The Last of Us, they, they had to... Naughty Dog had to fight to have... Um, Claire, I think it was. Claire? Ellie? So, Ellie. The, the, yeah, I don't know the, who Claire is. Never mind. <laughs> I'm just uh, the, yeah, the little here. girl as yeah. in front and center on the box art right. rather than uh, Joel. Yeah. I am actually really surprised I could remember those names. It's been a long time since I, I played the game. I am impressed. Clearly, I could not. I was <laughs> Claire and stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, but, but I feel like Nick, before we 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 leave this really shaky ground that we've somehow <laughs> wandered onto and get back to our actual topic, I do want to make sure I cover the other ground. If you are the kind of person who's out there saying like there shouldn't ever be games like this and there should be no games like that, and I want to take people's games away, maybe you need to take a hard look at where your priorities are in life. <laughs> if you really need to stop other people from playing games, and now unless we're talking about like a, a Holocaust simulator or something that's clearly wrong. But, I mean, the people were all like, oh, there should be no Doom because of such and such. Okay, well, you know what? Maybe you are taking it a little bit too far. Maybe you should just take a good, hard look at your own priorities in life and decide why you need to take Doom away from somebody else. Yeah, I... So, I yeah. <sighs> so trade shows, huh? Yeah. Spe- <laughs> uh, well, let's let's kind of go back to the actual people there. Yes. And speaking about gender representation, well, this will be my last point on the whole thing. Uh, hopefully. The, um, I am pretty sure, I mean, it's not like I, I pulled them or was gazing closely at them. It's just sort of at a passing glance. I thought, huh, uh, that I saw more than one trans person there. Uh, mm-hmm. and if, if they weren't, they don't know who I'm talking about, although I'm sure they're listening. Uh, and I am not trying to make any comments on appearance or anything. It just kind of struck me that, huh, that looks like that's what it is. Don't really mm-hmm. care. But uh, I'm pretty sure some people in that group were because I'm going to guess someone contacted the Moscone Center and asked them to, you know, set up for stuff because one of the restrooms had a notification that said for a gender neutral restroom, you can go to uh, this building has one specially set up for that for this event. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I, you know, whatever the correct answer is and society in general is still trying to figure out what the correct answer is for that. I thought that was a considerate move. There, I mean, it's just about being a decent person to another human being. Yeah. You know what? Regardless of what you might personally think, you can still treat another person like they're a person. Oh, yeah. That's kind of where I fall on that, you know. And I'm, again, I'm not here to put out my own beliefs and say this is the way it is. But I will say, at the very least, how about you treat people the way you'd like to be treated? Yeah, yeah. It's it's not that hard, and if it's it's a, another bed. Of course, I'm a huge as as a family man. I'm a huge proponent of the third bathroom. I <laughs> think there should be like four. You can have the open stall ones for the people who don't care. You can have like the single one for people who just want privacy, and then you need the big single one for the person who's got to like haul a stroller and like a suitcase and all this stuff in there and <laughs> try to try to do the the battle change and. Could we please get changing tables in the men's rooms? Do you know how much that sucks <laughs> when you go in there for a diaper change and there's no table? And you're like, well, looks like you have to sit in your own filth for a little while longer. It's just, <sighs> all right. Anyway, so we were talking about conventions. I think. <laughs> we, we need to back away from the social issues because we are not, we don't have nearly the tact or the subtlety that's required to talk about these things in a mature way. And we are, it's like we're dancing through a landmine right now. Yes, let us let us recede from this front. Yeah. We have looked at it, and now we're going to back away. Right. Um, what would you say is uh, some of the biggest, um, when you go to one of your shows, what what, what is the, um, trying to figure out how to phrase this, um, biggest attraction? Like, what draws the most people toward it? Well, I mean... I think it's always been whoever's got the biggest booth is always going to be the biggest draw. And those are the sort of like the big stories. That, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, it's the oh, I know who, what you mean. It's just actually that was entirely not the case. 
at GDC, but continue. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, everywhere I've gone, the biggest draws have always been the people that, you know, they're going to make their announcement, and it's the one that's going to make news, uh, and sometimes national news. Now, for me, I don't care about that because I can always read what they say in national news. So I always find myself going, like, past the big booths to the little guys and, and just trying to see what they have because that's the stuff I'll never know about if I don't go exploring. Cool. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, at, at, uh, at GDC, uh, I, I posted up, uh, on my article last week, the, uh, what was it Clash of Kings, mm-hmm. uh, stage? It wasn't really even a booth. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what it was. I'm going to presume they had some sort of stage show on there later, but, uh, maybe, maybe it's because they weren't finished setting up and they weren't doing anything yet, but, uh, it was just absurdly enormous and uh there weren't too many people walking up asking about anything uh the biggest i think the biggest demons uh, uh uh crowds that i saw were still for the playstation vr and oculus rift i mean they and, and you know those are cool but there's just a huge number of people lining up for the demos there yeah well tech demos are huge at these things because i mean I've never been able to get to one because I, as, as you know from our time that we've spent at several Six Flags and Disney such resorts, I don't like to wait in line for stuff. <laughs> I just don't. I don't feel like I need to wait for the privilege of spending my money someplace. So I've never once gotten to see one of these demos, but I, I obviously see the appeal uh, because listen, I've never used an Oculus Rift. I don't know if I'll ever in my lifetime use an Oculus Rift. Uh, maybe, maybe that's going to become the new technology that everybody has. I don't know, but I would love to be able to just kind of see one once and see what all the fuss is about, because right now it's just an abstract concept to me. So I can definitely see why people would want to go and see stuff like that and why that would be a big draw. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I, I, uh, right when the first, uh, uh, tech, uh, bundles came out, the developer kits came out. Um, I knew a guy who got one of those for, for being an early Kickstarter supporter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I put one on, moved around like a, uh, a demo building area kind of thing. And I think I had it on for a few seconds because someone got team fortress two uh-huh. to support it really early. Right. And one of the biggest things about it is the head tracking because it lets you look around pretty right. naturally mm-hmm. um oddly enough more naturally than that uh weird uh panoramic display igloo thing that i saw where it was just projecting the game onto walls surrounding oh, yeah. you and for some reason it's less natural to turn in a video game with your whole body it, yes that was yeah. that was really strange um but uh um yeah, the, uh, there, there's a lot of talk about VR having like um, motion sickness stuff going on, and I can believe that, um, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure my experience with it, with that early one, was not indicative of what you'd have right now, because it had some uh, field of focus problems and some resolution problems, the displays were... it. Wearing that felt a little bit like just putting your face right up next to a television, Particularly old CRT TVs, when you get your face so close up that you can actually see the red, green, and blue bits showing up. Yeah. 
for for those old enough to remember CRTs. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. So I gotta say, um, I've I had a lot of experience with early VR in my military days of all places because they used to use VR in some of the simulators and trainers, and I. I never had this happen. I knew guys who used to get so sick, and um, I know at least one person who passed out. Like, this is just imagine this happens. You look down and you don't see your legs underneath you. I know people who've just passed out from how off putting that is. Huh. And that's one of the reasons why I don't think VR is going to 100% happen because it, it doesn't take a very big percentage of the population to get motion sickness and pass out and throw up from using your product before it becomes niche. Yeah, yeah, that's the, uh, there are more hurdles and speed bumps for VR than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Yeah, um, I, I know one guy who was is super into the idea of VR. He thinks it's going to totally be the next huge thing and it's going to put all kinds of stuff out of business and what, what, what. And I'm thinking, mm, I don't think so because it's got all these other problems like it's got a high intro price point that could come down it's got the motion sickness problem Mm -hmm. they might come up with other tricks to solve that but uh there's also going to be the whole like you can't see the world around you while you're doing it which causes you know other potential problems there's a number of Mm -hmm. uh, small to mid-sized problems but there's enough that they add up that you know i don't know i mean there there are things that are real problem like you can't look at your watch if you're in the virtual world, <laughs> you can't. It's it's not there. And if, let's say you're playing a game where you need to look at your watch, you need to try to get the game to figure out how to let you look at your virtual in-game watch. And if it doesn't quite look right, it's just, it's jarring and it takes you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's going to happen. So we're going to see how well it works. I'm going to guess that there's going to be a lot of early adopters that are going to support it for a while while they try mm-hmm. to figure out exactly what they want to do with this. Um, and I'm going to guess it's going to settle into a common peripheral kind of a thing. Hey, maybe I'm, I'm going to go ahead and predict this is going to go the way of the 3d TV where there are going to be those, those people who love it and live by it. And I think, by and large, the, the grand majority of people are going to say, like, yeah, that's not my thing. That's a distinct possibility, too. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just... There's enough will behind this as a concept that I don't think it's going to go the way of... I don't know. I can't think of a good analogy on my feet <laughs> right here, but I don't think it's going to go away. Yeah. And uh, No, again, I'm going to take my own advice. I have no intention of taking away somebody's toys. If, if oh, no. this catches on and this is your thing, have at it. I may never More power do it. to you. Yeah, I, the 3D TVs never worked for me because it feels like being stabbed in the brain through the eyes. But I'm never going to try to take away somebody else's toys. That's what you want to do. As long as I can still get my fix and play my games on my my TV the way it, you were intended to, um, then yeah, I'm fine like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. What else is next? What do you think is the most impressive booth you've ever seen? The most impressive booth I've ever seen. That's an awesome question. Because um, oddly enough, I think the most impressive booth I've ever seen was that uh, 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 Clash of Kings booth or stage mm-hmm. or whatever the hell. I'm trying to think. Can can I actually go through? Uh, can I adjust the question a little bit? Sure. I'd like to talk about the most surprisingly unimpressive booths I've ever seen. <laughs> Okay. Because I think that's probably much better. Uh, I've gone, and this is from New York Comic Con, 
you would expect you go to New York Comic Con when you go to the DC and Marvel booths, they're just they're going to be the thing, right? They're going to have the stuff. That's basically their show. I would expect them to have people in costume for the Justice League that are more impressive than the people we saw at Six Flags. Yes. So what you actually get is like one or two people who work for Marvel walking around. And um, maybe if you're lucky, the Superman costume in a glass case and then a bunch of empty tables <laughs> where people filter in and out to sign autographs periodically throughout the day. Oh, that's awful. It is awful. I cannot understand why anyone would go to those booths. They, I mean, like, they didn't even have like awesome Jim Lee art like wall postered something not really no it's like generic wall posting like you'd see on marvel.com or whatever but just it's it was it was horribly horribly disappointing you're better off going to like one of the indie guys where like you get to talk to i talk to the artist and the creator you know no talking to the artist and creator at the dc booth and, and if you do get to them there's usually a line and they're they're not really personable i met bruce tim for all of 30 seconds and <laughs> i said Hi, Bruce, it's nice to meet you. And he kind of looked up and went, huh, and then went right back to signing. Like, well, happy to meet you, too. (laughs) I, you know, you got to have some sympathy for them because they got to do, like, a ton of stuff. And I'm sure it must get exhausting. I'm I'm sure it is. Although, I'll tell you what, when I went uh, and met Kevin Sorbo at one of these cons, he talked to my wife about golf for about 10 minutes. (laughs) I was so afraid we were making the people behind us in line angry, but they just wanted to talk about golf and all the different golf courses that they've both been to and which ones are the best ones. I felt really out of place. I thought we were going to talk Hercules, and that did not come to pass. <laughs> oh, that w- that story was very disarming. <laughs> well, thank you. No, by the way, Kevin Sorbo, class act, totally awesome guy, uh, really personable. And cool. um, one of the few people who actually does handshakes at cons. Hmm. I, I wonder if uh, he just doesn't buy into to not shaking hands for health reasons or if he I, just has an awesome immune system and isn't afraid. I think he purells the crap out of his hands in between handshakes. Ah, uh, that would work too. <laughs> yep. That's my impression because I do the same thing. I shake hands at cons, but man, I... I walk around with like three things of Purell and after I touch anything, I Purell my hands. If I touch Mm. a controller, I Purell my hands. I touch a computer, I Purell my hands. I shake someone's hand, I Purell. My hands are dried out at the end of the day, but I don't get con plague. So (laughs) take what you get. Maybe the uh, Penny Arcade guys should should take that advice because every time they, they have a PAX, they come back and they have a strip about how they got sick. You don't have to get sick. Yeah. You know, you just got to be smart about it. And, and I mean, also, and this is just advice for people out there who might go to one of these cons or trade shows one day. Uh, you can shower. That's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> no one's going to yell at you if you shower and clean yourself and put on clean clothes. Yeah. And maybe a little deodorant. Um, that uh, that that isn't much of an issue at GDC, I don't think. I never yeah. actually at GDC the problem for me at least because I'm sensitive to it is that when you walk outside, there's just a lot of people smoking. Yeah, and it's because yeah, you know it's in San Francisco. They're not going to be smoking inside. That's very not cool. Uh, yeah, but uh, so you at, walk at least out. You finally and... got all the smokers kicked outside though, Nick. That's an accomplishment <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> No, yeah, the professional cons, I don't have that problem with. Like, when I'm at the con for, like, communication softwares and stuff, 
people tend to be clean and professional. Yeah. PAX, PAX is kind of like the midway point, and any of the Comic-Cons, it's going to smell like body odor. And I've even met somebody who bragged, like, I haven't showered once during the con. I'm like, that's... Ew. Mm. You still wearing the same clothes? He had to have been. I don't uh, want to know what color they started out as, but like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, just shower. And, and and okay, so here's another piece of just this is just life advice. All right, you have your deodorant, you have your cologne. So it's spray on the chest for cologne, wipe under the arm deodorant, wipe under the arm deodorant. You're done. You're done with fragrances now. That's it. Squirt, swipe, swipe, walk away. Because when you're in an enclosed environment, if you get next to the person who decided like they were just going to mask their scent with a <laughs> lot of cologne or a lot of perfume, I'm not being, I'm not going to center in on just one group of the demographic. Uh, it is nauseating. Oh yeah, I, I that's another thing I'm sensitive to. It doesn't even have to be in that kind of a situation where they're trying to cover something. It's just yeah. if you have anybody who wears too much scent. And you can smell them from like ten feet away. That's yeah. too damn much. No, it's wrong. I'm telling you, it's it's squirt, swipe, swipe, walk away. If you can smell it from more than two feet, and I'm being generous, if you can smell it from more than two feet away, it's too goddamn much. Yeah, yeah. That's life advice. We can go ahead. If you were to subtitle this episode, squirt, swipe, swipe would be my subtitle. I'll make it a tag. <laughs> I'll live with that. Yeah. <laughs> The question then is, how much can we use it? <laughs> we got to start working it into all of these things now, man. <laughs> Trying to think, where could we have put this in salt? <laughs> <laughs> That's what she got to do when she's running around yeah, she... and keeping away from... She can't stop to, to anywhere to get... Uh, um... Hey, is this going to go up before the salt review? <laughs> no, salt's up right now. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I'm not paying enough attention. No, you're not. Ah. <laughs> uh. Jesus, I've been busy. <laughs> Anyhow, um, any particularly impressive booths that you can think of then? Uh, impressive booths. I oh, I can't think of what it was. Um, this, I mean, it's, it's horrible in that like the booth was so impressive that I don't actually remember anything. Oh, there was a yo. You know what? My first Comic Con, there was this really great booth. It was for a TV movie of all things. I don't remember the movie, so they didn't do a great job there. But it was like it was a the movie. richest cat in the world. 15 year anniversary. I don't no. think it was that. One. It, was, <laughs> it they it was like about it was about an outbreak, might have been contagion or infection, something like that. But like you basically you entered the booth and they set up the booth like this big quarantine zone. Ah. And and they were like you know saying all right we need to get you out of here don't touch anything like they were trying to like handing you Perel like make sure you're washing up and we're gonna take you through decontamination and you get went into the decontamination room and it played a trailer for the movie. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was pretty neat. Nice and themed. Yeah, I I like the themes. I like when they stick with it. Um, yeah, and especially with something like that, it actually builds in a line. Right, and or at was, least it sounded like it did. Yeah, and it, it really. It, it made it work right. It, it worked with the line, and it kind of it kind of got you in. Now I didn't watch the movie because I didn't feel like it, <laughs> but it at least got me interested in a movie that I would have completely ignored anyway. Yeah. So no, that's that's and and that's what it should be there for too. Right. So I mean, it's a great when when all you have to show is a trailer, that's the way you get people interested. Yeah. You know. Okay. Uh, and one I think Ghostbusters the game at one of the PAX events. I remember that Ghostbusters game from like years and years ago. 
uh, I want to say 2010, maybe. I don't know when it was from, so. Yeah, I don't, okay. I, I'm just thinking, uh, so with one of those games, they actually, what they just did is they projected the thing out. And what was impressive is so many people were interested in this game that their, their booth was basically just wide open and they were just showing the game on big screens and the <laughs> thing was packed with everybody watching it. Which involved one of my funnier con moments is when the first time people watched two guys cross the streams, and <laughs> they hadn't built that mechanic yet, yeah. nothing happened, and everyone just went, Oh, <laughs> oh that sounds, yeah. that sounds, in, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, on, on my side, I think that, uh, uh, Clash of Kings booth was the, the most intricate and overbuilt thing there. I've heard it, it, it wound up with a throne and actors there. They had this huge screen playing a whole bunch of commercials on a loop, which were, Man, commercials are expensive to produce, and I was stunned by the fact that I just kept watching it, and it didn't loop. Like, I didn't sit there for, like, a half hour. I wasn't that interested in figuring out how long their their loop was, but, you know, long enough that I noticed that, Jesus, it's they, they haven't gone through it again yet. Now, a bunch of the commercials were in Korean and had the tagline that I thought was oddly nationalistic to be playing in San Francisco of, Play for Korea. <laughs> well no localization there it it was it was written in english and they <laughs> also had uh, uh another commercial in english that was i swear this somewhere in the prep uh in the proposal for this commercial the lonely island had to be mentioned because it it really came across with that kind of presentation and overview uh, uh, sort of theming just these guys rapping talking about um like you know playing while they're waiting for the laundry or something and 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 i don't know it's on a boat it it kind of felt like some of that or the um oh i don't want to repeat the name of the one that it made me particularly think of gotcha i know which one (laughs) maybe maybe not but uh (laughs) in any case yeah that one was was Really surprising, although it probably wasn't the most expensive booth. If you count the McLaren car and the cost of the booth, man, some of these booths were like small buildings. I I have no idea why so much money was spent on some of this stuff. They must they must have some uh like circuit where they take this booth from one place to another and they can break it down and move it because. There is absolutely no way you'd get a positive return on investment for building stuff like this out um, for a trade show. I mean, right. I, I would expect, I honestly would have really expect more of them to look like uh, uh, the SpaceX booth, which was mm-hmm. there at GDC for some reason. That's kind of odd. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 I was very tempted to go up there and make a Kerbal Space Program joke. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought that that would be kind of a, 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 a kind of a jerk thing to do, and yeah. decided like I'm sure they probably get enough of that already. I'm not going to do that. Um, so, and so here, you know, hmm? no, I was just going to ask you um, at GDC, like, do you guys ever get like the Marine Corps recruiter booth? Because it seems like those guys show up everywhere I've ever been. I don't think I don't recall seeing any yeah. military booths of any kind. Okay. I'm, 
the Marine Corps, they they get into all. I, I swear, every con, every convention I've ever been in, somewhere, even when it's inappropriate for the actual theme of the convention, they're there <laughs> recruiting, and they usually have like a helicopter simulator or something, which is actually kind of fun. But huh. it, it's it's always odd to me, and I was just wondering if the GDC they managed to infiltrate because, man, the Marine Corps is everywhere. Yeah, I I don't recall ever seeing anything there. Okay. Um. Where was I going to go with this? Yeah, most of the hiring booths are pretty plain, and that's really what I expect most of the professional booths to be like. And, you know, a lot of the professional booths are of, you know, a similar kind of level of complexity or a little lar- a little larger, a little more elaborate, which is fine. Like, you have a, a laid-out space with, like, mm-hmm. you brought in your own carpeting. You have, especially if you're going to have, like, the, the, the Sony area, I thought was actually pretty appropriate uh, relatively speaking, where they had um, a bunch of standing demo stations. Right. And so, you know, you're going to have that be, you know, more elaborate. And it's fairly large and, and has a big, you know, panel wall thing. Um, but the ones where it's... Uh, I'm trying to remember another one. There was uh, the Unity. Oh, my God. Oh, I had a really? Picture of that. Unity? Yeah, it was enormous. I mean, and it really they has had this to be right because they do everything. Well, it they had this huge, huge screen where they were playing clips of this thing called Adam, which is apparently like a, a, a movie, a short movie thing they rendered in the game engine. And there's a bunch of people there. Well, I, I'm sure it makes sense that they'd have a lot of floor space, but the construction of the building, the because because it's a building. <laughs> yeah it's not a re- these things aren't booths anymore they're they're buildings right the construction yeah. of the building seemed a lot more elaborate than what i thought was necessary i know like a lot of these ones are just huge yeah uh uh unity mm-hmm. oculus had a big thing but i think some of that was also because they wanted to close things off so you could have demonstration rooms on the inside right uh uh unreal with the mclaren it had two floors um Amazon had a thing called Lumber Yard, which had kind of a themed booth area where it wasn't too bad, but it had this enormous screen that the, the, the monitor itself must have cost like six to ten thousand dollars minimum, um, probably like a, a, a 60 to 100 inch 4K resolution screen, something like that. Wow. It, it, it was it was actually kind of a you know, it looked great and they were trying to show off like rendering and stuff. So it makes sense. But, uh, I don't know. Um, the, uh, the background that looked like a log cabin kind of thing because it's called Lumberyard. It's like, I don't know how necessary that is. Uh, Google was there and they had this sort of, uh, if I say Google and playground and professional, it probably brings to mind most of what it looked like. Okay. Um, And it was there as Google. I don't think it was labeled as Alphabet, but Mm. which I I always thought that branding was kind of dumb. And there were a few others that had, you know, multiple floors, um, but nothing was quite as striking as that three story tall castle for uh, uh, Clash of Kings. So I think that one's the most impressive one I've ever seen. Oh, there was one more that uh, that sort of uh, uh, VR deathmatch competition thing um i've seen that one before where there's a couple of uh uh, people 
you know, demonstration workers that are up there and they have this sort of 360 treadmill thing where it's kind of um, elliptical floor and they're wearing special shoes so they don't get traction so they can keep walking. Okay. And it'll read them so they can walk in any direction mm-hmm. uh, without moving. They're kind of strapped into the thing. And uh, they got the VR helmet on and the uh, 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 you know gun controller thing. And last year they were walking around and you see a screen of what they're doing and they're just sort of running around doing a shooting gallery thing. And this year they were they looked like they were in a death match with each other, two guys. And in between them was a guy like calling the action. <laughs> and it it was kind of an extension of what they had the previous year, but kind of built out more. Um, and it almost looked like the, uh, a DJ stage with where dancers on the side would be were the competitors. Um, you know, That's... not, not with any special lighting effects on the stage or a smoke machine or anything mm-hmm. like that. But if you could separate it out, it, it kind of looked like that. That's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> also because I don't think there was enough progress on that from one year to the next to, to justify how it's still in development i'm thinking these are people trying to develop technology to sell to other people not to actually make their own product they're they're trying to get bought oh yeah Yeah. and if you're going to do that a trade show is the place to demonstrate it exactly yeah Uh, um let's see here what else can we talk about the uh award shows you uh were there any like uh uh like best of show awards or anything like that for for the shows you've been to. I'm sure there have been. I don't go to any of that stuff. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I'm sure that's a huge shock to you <laughs> that I did not take time out of my day to watch somebody get an award for something I don't care about. But yeah, that's uh, I don't I don't I don't really go to the awards or panels yeah. to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I this year I uh, was the first year I, I attended any talks and I I did a couple of roundtables. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of funny where um, one of them was talking about the kind of nature and career trajectory for QA. And at one point, someone asked, uh, you know, just to show a hands, no judgments, no nothing. It's like if if you could make the same amount of money in another sector of the company. So everyone in there was supposed to be in QA right. or interested in QA. Uh, would you take for the same money that other job? And only one person raised their hand. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'm like, nope. I found my calling, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's the kind of thing that it, it takes a certain mindset, you know? Yeah. And and when you're doing it, it feels natural. And if you're asked to do something else, you're like, this feels weird and unnatural, and I don't like it. I yeah. did a good job? Great! I don't like doing it. <laughs> Please, give me something to break. Yeah, it- that's spot on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, what was the other? Oh, uh, yeah. The other one was talking about automated testing. There, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a whole lot to take from that, or it wasn't very interesting. It was very, you know, technical, indus- uh, inside the industry stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there were some funny exchanges in that, uh, the nature of QA1, where, you know, there, there was a, a, one guy there, I think, was a teacher at a trade school for gaming mm-hmm. and okay a bit of an aside here I, I i know we don't like tangents but i'm gonna have to uh, beg your forgiveness while i go off on one here um the uh, uh a while ago when um we would hire people we would see that they attended a a, a school 
specific for gaming or a, a program specific for gaming. And I'm going to be completely honest here. We kind of look down on them uh, because, and there, there, there's a real reason for this, is because a lot of people at that time, this was, I don't know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, these schools didn't necessarily know what to teach. So people would come out of it thinking they knew what they were doing and they would actually just have, at least for our purposes, they would have ingrained ideas that we would have to make them unlearn and learn the correct things. So they were actually behind someone who knew nothing. (laughs) Now, I have every reason to believe that this has improved dramatically over the past decade because, well, there's money in it. And if everyone leaves the, the schooling with uh, 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 behind the curve, they spent money and and, uh, are actually worse off, then uh, those schools are not going to be there anymore. Uh, (laughs) Although, interestingly enough, apparently a lot of schools are telling people, oh, it's a good way to get into the games industry is to go into QA, and from there you can jump off into other places. Wait, what? No. (laughs) Are they really telling people that? Well, the reason for that is because you don't have to have qualifications to get in QA, and you can still get industry experience. Like, I understand why they're saying it. I, I guess, but, I, I mean... And I, I've, I've known people who started in QA and became engineers or producers or, you know, customer support or community managers or any kind of other stuff. Um, I suppose it can happen, but it's not like that's a normal career path. <laughs> I mean, that's it's... that's like the military recruiters are like, oh, you want to be a pilot? Join submarines. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also based on the idea that um, uh, QA is a low to no skill uh, 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 position to be in. Which is not necessarily true anymore, right. and uh, I'm going to continue on this for a bit. But it, it that's the kind of thing where if you're going to have a large AAA game where they just need to throw bodies at testing and they're not particularly picky about it, then, yeah, I mean, if submarines were something where they just need more manpower to throw at it and you want to be in the military and hope you can transfer branches, but you're not sure you can get in directly to the Air Force and be a pilot, then... I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's how it works in the military, but uh, I don't know. Not, You'd no, know. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> they, they don't take anybody who wants to be in the military to work on a nuclear submarine. Is that what you're telling me? That's, because that's, I don't believe you. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. You're blowing. <laughs> you. You. I. <laughs> you're blowing my mind, and this calls my whole perception of reality into question. Yeah. Greg, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, okay, where was I at with all of this? I don't know. I lost a few <laughs> tangents ago. Um, yeah, it's, um, but, uh, okay, so this guy who was a teacher, a lot of us were telling stories about how, uh, you know, rough it can be to work in QA, and it can be rough. And he, he was sitting a couple seats to the left of me, and I could hear him under his breath going, wow, really? <laughs> It's like he's stunned that this position, which has been 
the butt of jokes, not not the butt, uh, not not the people in it being the butt of jokes, but the nature of the job being the butt of jokes. Like even Penny Arcade at at the wake of the first season of the test are pointing out, oh, we're just gonna shove you in this cubicle and you're gonna work for twelve hours a day. Every six hours, a tube will come down and feed you a nourishing gruel. <laughs> you know. You know, it's like you're going to be surprised that people got horror stories or the tales from the trenches. I mean, the trenches seems to be kind of dead right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that <laughs> many, many stories of how QA doesn't exactly get respected. But uh, to, to continue on this, I thought when I got into the industry that the uh, the level of complexity in games was going to just continue to grow and grow. And it's going to get to the point where you can't just grab completely unskilled people, just grab people off the street and throw them at it and hope that everything will come out right. You have to have skilled, experienced people. Maybe you just want more manpower because honestly, with at a certain level of complexity, you really do just need more time. You need people working on it and getting bored and trying stupid, crazy stuff. But you're also going to need a very strong backbone of skilled people who can target problems and find certain issues that you cannot expect unskilled people to find and this even came up in the talk talking about um sim city or uh, uh the latest batman game on pc and a few other things came up and i remember i was thinking about the diablo 3 auction house which completely broke the game's economy because they didn't put it through qa which was just mind-bogglingly stupid they didn't put that through QA? Are you serious, or are you just being, like, facetious? Uh, if they did put it through QA, they did not do it properly. There there was actually documentation about this, where, like, someone made a small change and didn't put it back through the entire QA rigor. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. Oh, and, wonder and that was by the way, by the way, this is why if you're in testing, if anyone's interested in testing or anyone interacts with testing, this is why one of my main tenants for QA is DTA. Don't trust anybody. Never believe an engineer ever. They're just going to say, oh, I didn't do much. I just fixed this thing. It'll be fine. You don't have to spend any time on that bull. Pay more yeah. attention to it. <laughs> yeah. I got to be honest, I actually work with some really good engineers and they'll check the smallest thing in and they'll say like, I've, I've had this question come to me from tech leads before is how much time and how many people do you need to test this? <laughs> and I understand that makes me blessed and unique in, in, in terms of QA because a lot of QA people get the here's how much time and people you have test <laughs> all of this. Whereas I get the question, what do you need and how many people to test this properly? I am in a bit of a, a, a mix of things that I am fortunate to work in an organization where I am given a lot of respect and my team is given a lot of respect for what we're able to do. And uh, uh, our word is is also treated with respect, um, but we do have limited resources. So it's not like, oh, how much do you need to get this done? It's uh, OK, we're going to do the best that we can. We know we're going to hit certain critical things. Um we do not have the manpower to like super thoroughly check all of this. And we're also a publisher. So I don't know. There's a, there's a distribution of responsibility between the publisher and the developer. So there's a whole lot of other factors that go into that. Geez, aren't we supposed to be talking about conventions and stuff? I thought so. (laughs) Yeah. But we have, we have been talking about everything, but today, (laughs) 
<laughs> if this was a movie on Hero Talk, it'd be scoring very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Would you like to get an early word out about Batman v Superman? Uh, I've not seen it yet. I I know that that's like I've I've been away on, on business for like the last week. Uh, I just got back two days ago at time of recording, and uh, I just have not been able to go see it yet. It came out while I was gone, not to date this too much. but um, So, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, uh, but I think some of the stuff I've heard says Affleck's good in it, but it's trying to be too many movies at once. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Everything I've heard about it sounds like it's completely miserable. I think Zack Snyder probably just... It's part of his style. Anything he makes winds up being miserable, which I think works for Watchmen because that's a miserable story in the yeah. first place, but not Superman. <laughs> yeah, although, you know what? Some of the enthusiasts have really liked it. Vernon uh, uh, liked it and Goose liked it. I uh, Everything I've heard, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, uh, I, I suppose this is not the, the, the best thing for me to be saying, but it really sounds like uh, Lex Luthor is manipulating Batman, which means Batman is a lot stupider than he should be. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is something that uh, seems reasonable to me that the whole fight with Superman should have been a, a ruse by Batman to distract Lex Luthor while Batman was actually doing something else. If they did it right, yes. Yes. And for all we know, that's the way it is, but I don't I don't think that's the way it is. Okay. Um, yeah, in any case... Going back to the actual topic of one tangent ago. <laughs> yes, these days in games, they've gone more complex and more in-depth where, yes, you really do. it, And and the industry is getting more respectful for QA, which is good. Uh, and, and more and more organizations are realizing you do have to have um, more dedicated and skillful QA. And uh, I, my prediction of 10 years ago or 15 years ago or whatever the hell it is now uh, is turning out to be correct, where you can't, at the time, the whole thing was, you're in QA now. What do you actually want to do? And my response was, I want to do QA. I like doing this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, now you actually do need people who have that frame of, uh, 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 frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, even... Uh, one of the awards, uh, I, I can't remember the dude's name, the guy from Bethesda, responsible for Fallout 3 and 4 and Skyrim, and he, at one point in his acceptance speech, called out QA everywhere. And, you know, I mean, that that's not going to be some sort of turning point, some watershed moment, but, uh, I mean, if you're going to take the convention as kind of taking the pulse of the industry, like, QA is interested in increasing its profile, increasing its skill, increasing its desirability as an occupation. And the industry is starting to turn around, and it's kind of a generational thing. It's turning around and giving QA more respect. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be a whole bunch of engineers who turn around and say... You know, ah, QA, they just give us bad news, where QA is the enemy. Now, QA and engineering do have to have an adversarial relationship, because we're on opposite sides of the thing. You know, engineers have to be optimistic. And I like to say the better QA does its job, the more miserable everyone is. Which includes QA, because if we found a bug, guess what? We have to test for it again. Oh, and then you got to make sure it's repeatable. you got to make sure that yeah. you can communicate it properly. You gotta Nothing slows down testing like finding bugs. Oh, uh, I wish everything worked the first time. 
Grab system logs. Oh, system logs, yeah. Server uh, logs, those are fun. Wireshark. You ever yeah. deal with Wireshark? Yeah. Hate Wireshark. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, we're getting more respect in QA, and that's great. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, I expect we're going to see more of that in the future. That's good. I mean, it's it's a good way for just not even industry, but just like software development in general, to kind of realize that the the, the testers aren't the forgotten step. They're yeah. they're not just you know the the check in the box. Like the testers actually create a better end product. Yeah. I, another thing I like to say is that QA is what helps make it not hurt when the rubber meets the road. Right. I mean, the, otherwise, good, otherwise good you're going to have testers are you know the reason why if you you know put something out and it works. You're like, yeah. huh, you didn't just get lucky. Somebody went out there and verified that ahead of time, you know? And one of the other reasons why QA doesn't get a whole lot of recognition, one, we're always the bearer of bad news, but two, yeah. it's really hard to point at a good QA job. It, it It's invisible. It's completely invisible. Yeah, that's true. And and even even something that comes out buggy as hell, you can't tell. You can't necessarily say that the QA department didn't do their job. They could have done their job excellently, but the developers couldn't fix it. The engineers yeah. couldn't fix it. They didn't have enough time. Uh, a, a producer may not have budgeted enough time or money, uh, or uh, maybe they were optimistic with uh, things and they and it just came out worse. And they just have to at a certain point cut it loose and say, "Here's what you got." Right. You don't know what you know. the known shippables were on that. <laughs> For all you know, somebody had documented every single thing that you found wrong there. But yep. if nobody fixes it, then what do you expect QA to do? They're not the engineers. They're not going to go crack open the code. <laughs> I used, I like oh, to my. scare my developers sometimes by saying like, hey, I went in all your code and cleaned it up. Do you know how much <laughs> semi-bullets you had in there? <laughs> <laughs> your punctuation is atrocious. Yeah. Get semicolons everywhere. Don't worry. I got rid of them. All these weird parenthetical <laughs> statements, they seem totally unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, obviously, I would never do that. And and per good design, I don't have permissions to do that. Although what is no. smart is I do have read-only permissions for code. So yeah. I can look at stuff if I need to like search for something. But obviously, I should never be entering anything on anybody's code ever. Because then you just cross-contaminate, and man, if QA starts creating bugs instead of finding them, man, that's that's not a world I want to live in. No, no. that's uh, there, there is some room for someone to straddle between engineering and QA, and I think we ought to be done with uh, this after this point. <laughs> but uh, someone who, who can kind of, uh, like a test engineer or something like that, where they're, they're an engineer, but they're actually there just to test the code... Mm-hmm. you know um and try to fix things on that end but uh so they kind of have skills of qa they're under the engineering department so they can fix the code up when they find issues but they're not the 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 actual end qa and uh i think uh, i think that's probably pretty good for for this this uh kind of weird branching off discussion about uh <laughs> conventions well, I suppose it's not too shocking that we wind up talking about industry stuff when half of the conversation is industry conventions. That's true. So, you, you, you look at it that way, it's not that bad on the tangents, maybe? I don't know. Um, I mean, we had a little bit of everything, so that's got to be something. <laughs> I threw DC um, and Marvel under the bus, so mission accomplished. As <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's any other... Uh, uh, points that that you thought might be interesting for this topic 
Uh, I would just say if, if you ever find yourself at a trade show or whatnot, I, my personal advice, other than, you know, squirt, swipe, swipe, is skip the And a lot booths. of Purell. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of Purell. Uh, skip the big booths. Go to the go to the, the smaller booths because you're not going to read about what these people are doing. You're not really going to see a whole lot about them in, like, the papers or the trades. But there's some interesting stuff that goes on, and I, I have definitely – seen a couple of these these companies and some games and, and some products explode and i can remember like man i remember back when some three five years ago i was seeing this at this infant stage and thought how amazing it was and now i'm you know was able to like check it out way back then it's very interesting hmm. it's so. it's kind of like the uh the because it's in I'm going to compare this to minor leagues of sports or indie shows. I was, I was right about to go there, too. I was like, like <laughs> you watch the guy go from, like, double A to triple A to major leagues. Yeah. You're like, man, I remember back when he was in single A and hit that home run over the wall at that that game on a Thursday night. and Yeah. yeah. And, hey, hey, you know, Kevin Owens in the WWE right now. I saw him, jeez, uh, 11 years ago in Los Angeles. Um I was not fond of him then, and I'm not particularly fond of him now. But hey, I saw him. Yeah, and there, and you'll always be amazed by the kids who who don't make it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, man, there's another uh, Vinny Massaro is another local wrestler guy. I I, I always liked watching him fight, and uh, he's uh, he's a short, tubby guy. He's never gonna make it uh, in the uh, certainly in the WWE, but. Ah, I always had yeah. fun watching him. I don't. I Anyhow, like no one has any idea who I'm talking about. No. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just like my thought is like, man, I we have a single A ball club around here, and I always love watching those single A guys. And you know, every now and then you see one of these guys like, oh, he's going somewhere, and I have it. It happens rarely because it's very hard to get from single A all the way up to the show. But uh, I've seen it happen, and it's really awesome when like it's a guy that you used to see like just play in your backyard in the little in the little ball club. So, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, you can see some of these early early demos and mm-hmm. kind of get excited for it in its early stages, and and when it explodes, you're like, damn, look at what it's become. Because it's hard to like when you see something really big. I mean, you can appreciate that it's really big, but if you can see if you could have seen it when it was small and have some mental trajectory of its growth, uh, and it 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 makes things a bit more personal to you, and it gives you a bit more perspective on just how big something could have gotten. Yeah. Very well said. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, here's one other thing, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm sure that the number is going to vary quite a bit. But how much is it? How much is uh, our tickets for the things that you've gone to? Oh, uh, yeah. The tickets they end up all over the place. Uh, I want to say packs is somewhere around fifty bucks. So here's here's what's odd. So packs, huge show, big one, industry standard show, fifty bucks. Rhode Island Comic Con, tiny little itty bitty show. Only had two of them so far, and the first one was a giant soup sandwich that ended up violating the fire code and had to lock half the people out. Oh man! Uh, also fifty bucks. Huh? Yeah. And then some some shows, like some of the ones in Connecticut, they're only like twenty dollars, so they're super cheap. I want to say it's forty dollars for New York Comic Con, and then some of the some of the more like the more professional it is, it, it can go either way. I've seen professional ones that are like. Since it's professional and it's like a top industry stuff, it's like $120 for a ticket. And I've seen ones that like, since it's professional and we're just here to show our products, just come on in. It's free. So, Huh. That's yeah. um, a lot cheaper than GDC. 
Yeah. What is GDC? GDC. Worth? GDC. I think an all access pass is over a thousand dollars. Holy cow! Does it come yeah. with a golden escort? <laughs> well, consider that it shuts down the mus. They have to rent the Moscone Center okay. for a week. Yeah. Like. This is a huge thing in San Francisco. Like the Moscone Center, ha- there, there's it. It took all of Moscone, uh, north, south, and west, for an entire week. That's expensive. Now, thousand dollars. That's a week pass. Yeah. So, what would be like a single day pass? Uh, I don't think they go by single day, but they have different access levels. Okay. So, all access gives you. Uh, the uh, all the floors, all the talks, all of everything, and there's like expo only, where you can just walk the floor, no talks, no nothing else, and a couple other things that'll get you to like certain talks, but not other talks. So normally, what what a company will do is buy like a one company with fifty people will buy three passes and just shuffle them around to people, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And so if you if you manage your time, like everyone can at least check out the expo floor. Yeah. Man, thousand dollars. That's that's the big time. I don't yeah, think I'll ever yeah. be walking into that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I uh well the other funny thing is that if you have industry contacts, they will have spare passes that they can just give to you. Interesting. Like one year one year I I have had multiple people offer me expo passes. I had an expo pass offered to me this year that I turned down because I didn't need it. Wow. Um Yeah. Yeah, uh, all right. I'm not that connected. <laughs> Nobody offers me expo passes. You got to work with more uh, external agencies. Yeah. They they want your business, so they'll just hand you stuff. That's true. They'll do that. They'll also wine and dine. Well, maybe not wine and dine exactly, but they'll buy you lunch. Yeah, they will buy you lunch. Although there's all kinds of rules on that these days. I always turn everything down because, like, man, I, I, I cannot remember all the different rules, and they're always changing. So the safest thing is because is it the less than $20 is the rule now, or is it $25, or is it you can't if you're a potential customer? I don't I never know, so I just back away. I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, I'll pay for my own lunch. Thank you. I don't need a messy legal issue somewhere down the line. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to guess that has something to do with your particular employment because it's not any issue for me. It. It depends on where you're employed, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so probably those cheap uh, expos, or far, maybe not cheap is the right word, but far less expensive than GDC. There's a lot of people at GDC, but it's hardly like sardine can feeling. Right, and so. that's the worst, is when they just pack more people in than they should. Yeah. That is the, I, I mean, I, PAX is I really think... good about, you know, like, making sure they don't let in too many people, but... Um, the the Comic Cons are the worst at that. I mean, especially like I said, Rhode Island had to lock half the people out because they just sold more tickets than was allowed in the building. <laughs> Jesus, that's just terrible. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, GDC will put a cap on it at some point. Mm-hmm. They 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 probably put a cap on how many uh, because any access pass can go to the award show. They would probably cap it at how many people can fit in that hall. Which is yeah. actually a really big hall, so they can fit a lot of people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a couple thousand at least. Um, oh yeah, at least. I'm just trying to think about how big that place was. It's really big. Anyhow, um, 
And hey, look, we were able to go through all this without talking about that stupid Microsoft party. And let's just mention no, it and completely oh, move on. are going to talk about this, man? No, we're not. I'm just mentioning it and we're moving on. In oh. fact, we're going to we're gonna start wrapping this one up here. All right, now good. Is the no time... Microsoft party. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> now is the time in Hero Talk. No, this is not Hero <laughs> Talk. <laughs> um, this is... Uh... This is the point where I like to ask my guests for a little story that they have from uh, working in the industry. So, Judge Greg, do you have any judging story of judgeness of your QA judging? Yeah, I do actually. So this was a this was a, a fun time uh, a couple years ago. I was uh, QA lead on this on this project. We were getting ready to release basically, and so like. And they're really good about saying like, all right, so we're done. We're, we're beta. We're done touching it and no one's working on it anymore. So let's wait for the testers to give us the thumbs up that, that we're good. And I developed this whole testing plan about the, what we were going to do to vigorously test the product before we'd release it and, uh, and put it out there. And so it was, it was this moment of like this really high tension between, you know, the test team and, and the developers, because, Basically, everybody knew that we were putting everything through its high paces and who knows what stuff we would discover. And and we were really like we were shaking out some some really intrinsic bugs at this point in time that nobody really wanted to deal with. And every time it would happen, especially if it was a bad bug, uh, they knew it was bad because if it was bad. I would like hand deliver the bug report. <laughs> and so at one point I, uh, I walked up into the, the wing where all of the, the engineers and the, and the developers sit and I was just walking the hallway and somebody, somebody just started catching like the glimpse of me of the court of the rye. And it was like, you can hear the chatter from the hall and it starts to stop as every doorway I walk by stops talking and people like start running to their doors to see whose office I'm about to walk into. I felt like the harbinger of death. Like I was, I was the angel of death there to like claim the firstborn sons of the developers. And people were hastily putting the mark on their door. Yeah. Like people were like shutting the doors and like, I'd go into one person's office and he'd point to his roommate like him, right? Him, not me, him, please be him. I was like, you know, this is, geez, were they standing there like the freaking guys from night at the Roxbury? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh. It's very. It was very interesting. And, you know, it's not like I don't like the adversarial role. I get like some of it is intrinsic, and I I really didn't try to like make that be my purpose there. But just knowing, I mean, people knew that like if I was walking in the hallway and trying to tell somebody something, it's because it was bad. It was really <laughs> bad and really important and had to be fixed. So okay. nobody wanted me to visit their office, and it was it was a really unnerving feeling just to walk that hallway and know not a single soul wants you to be there. Everyone's just, <laughs> everyone's just hoping you just had a really quick question that wasn't bug related and would walk away. Yeah, those, those some of those bugs are the kind of thing you can't just write it up and then wait for someone to see it. You actually and you can't even email it. You have to go there and make sure that people know about this right now. Yeah. I mean that's that's basically it. If I showed up in the hallway, it means this was so bad, I can't even wait for you to notice it. Yeah, I need to make sure you know and and let you know right away. And, um, and I've, I've, at one point I may have decided to forego emails altogether and just use face-to-face -face communication for everything for a couple of weeks just to, <laughs> just to drive the point home. Cause it's, it's kind of fun at the same time. Like I, I would never screw with somebody. That's not true. I have, um, but I, I, 
I did kind of want to drive the point home that like I'm not the bad guy, so I did try yeah. to talk to people more often than not. <laughs> um, and although, and here's a here's a really funny thing that you don't ever say to a, a developer is you don't just walk up to them when they're talking to somebody and be like, "So you heard about that crash, right?" Oh, jeez. <laughs> there, um, something kind of similar to that happened to me once because sometimes, sometimes I will, I'll try to to make light of something. I'll make a joke. And apparently my inflections are too deadpan and natural for people to realize that I'm joking. And what I say isn't over the top enough for people to realize that I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, uh, um, I was working on a game. This other guy had changed the balancing numbers and they had us taking a look at it. And he changed the numbers yesterday and we looked at it. And if there was a problem, we would have said something yesterday. It was it was fine, and he just comes up and said, "So, hey Nick, how are those balance numbers look, working?" It's like they're terrible, <laughs> and like apparently, I almost gave him a heart attack. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? No, if they were terrible, I would have told you. I wouldn't have waited you to come up to me. <laughs> yeah. You, no, you... it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Although I really need to stop doing that. Did you hear about the crash <laughs> joke? Because one of these days there's going to be a crash. No one's going to believe me. <laughs> not that there aren't ever crashes obviously but like one of these days it's going to be one of those really important bad ones that i need to go you don't want to as qa you don't you we're, we're the bearers of bad news you don't want to be the boy who cried wolf right so you don't want to because that's the same sort of thing if you get a reputation for writing invalid bugs yeah no, that's not good that's not good yeah you don't want to be that guy when i i've never ever written an invalid bug except for a couple half dozen of them but yeah <laughs> a couple half dozen yeah what an odd turn of phrase. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, but, I mean, you know, yeah. it's going to happen. You're going to write up a duplicate. You're going to write up an invalid bug. You're going to release something that has a crash in it. It's going to happen. Right. Just because, as as we were talking about before, things are just very complicated. And there's a lot of stuff you're going to go through. And it, especially if you release a lot of stuff, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's kind of like driving... My, my, my dad used to say everyone is going to have some major accident that it's their fault. It's it's going to happen sooner or later. It's just kind of the law of averages. You, you can't be perfect. Yeah. Um, I often say you show me somebody who released bug-free software and I'll show you a liar. Yep, yep. Uh, similar phrase I use is there is uh, there's no software greater than trivial complexity that uh, is bug-free. And even trivial bug uh, uh, software probably has bugs. Yeah. yeah. However, so uh, my personal recommendation, if you were ever use that joke, is a uh, once per product is about all you can get away with. Did you hear about the crash? <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that, and that that's that, that's also something that's better on the developer side than the publisher side. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I can't imagine the publishers like that very. No, I uh, never had to be the one to deal with the publishers. So. Yeah, well, I am the publisher, so... You're the publisher, yeah. I've never had to deal with your kind. <laughs> oh, my. So, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty good uh, run for today. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to say or talk about? Spray, swipe, swipe. All right. Reminding me to put in the tag for, <laughs> for this episode. All right. So... If anyone out there has anything you'd like to hear us talk about or see me write about, you can always get in touch with me at kinetic at enthusiacs.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiacs.com. 
Come back again next week for the next Behind the Line article, and in two weeks for the next Behind the Line radio. See you next time, everybody. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, let's plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs. Thank you.